today on the Tearsheet Podcast. I can't tell you the number of times I've spoken to a, a millennial and asked them if they where they pay their bills. And I would say, you know, 70, 80% of the time, they're paying them directly at the biller site. So it's it's becoming less important to the younger demographic. But I mm-hmm. think there's also a shift because the billers, uh, the direct billers, whether it's your Verizon or Comcast or State Farm or whomever, they're providing a much better experience from the biller site than banks are, and credit unions are now providing from their own uh, from their own digital banking experiences. And so you've seen this shift of the distribution of online bill pay or online bill pay shift from the banks to the billers. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. As banks and credit unions look to modernize to digital payments, they're turning to firms like Payveris to handle things like bill pay and P2P transfers. Payveris provides cloud payment software to 265 banks and credit unions. Payveris Chief Innovation Officer Marcel King joins me on the podcast to talk about the evolution of banks' participation in payments and where the market is headed in the future. In a world of Square and PayPal, Marcel describes where banks can compete and find a competitive edge. Shortly after we recorded this call, bill payment player Paymentus announced that it was acquiring Payveris in an attempt to increase the addressable market opportunity for the combined firm. Here's my conversation with Marcel King. So I am Marcel King, Chief Innovation Officer for Payveris. Uh, Payveris provides digital money movement and payment technology to financial institutions in the U.S., uh, we have about 300 clients that we serve, ranging anywhere from kind of $50 million credit unions on up to uh, $30, $40, $50 billion financial institutions, that, uh, including banks and credit unions. Um, what we do as an organization is we help financial institutions modernize uh, simplify and simplify their digital payments uh, technology uh, from both a front-end user experience as well as a back-end operations uh, efficiency. Um, you know, when we deliver our technology stack to financial institutions, we're generally replacing legacy, kind of the legacy fragmented digital payment and money movement technologies that banks have acquired over the last 25 years. Um, what you generally find is that they're running multiple point solutions for things like bill pay and peer-to-peer transfers and uh, external transfers when you want to move money between you know, financial institutions, uh, new account funding. You know, they generally have technologies that have been acquired, like I said, over the uh, over the years, and that technology tends to be kind of stale dated in terms of the user experience. Uh, it's using older technology, uh, and so what happens with these institutions is that there's a lot of redundancy uh, within their technology infrastructure, and what we do is we come in and replace that, those disparate fragmented systems, give them an enterprise, a more modern platform that gives them the ability to simplify the experience and, and drive operational efficiencies and lower their costs. Uh, and then can I, a, can I ask about that, Marcel? So, so sure. what is what is what are the banks? So you're talking, you're describing uh, this legacy technology. Sounds like sort of a uh, a ball of string. Um, how how what 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 is banks' relationship to that legacy technology? They spend a lot of time and energy just on on maintenance, and and when they want to add something new, their new point solutions that add to the complexity. That you, you hit it spot on, Zach. Uh, that's exactly what happened. So you think back to say the kind of mid '90s when bill pay was introduced by uh, Check Free. You know they had their their single point solution. 
Uh, Cash Edge was another company mm -hmm. that uh, developed a P2P and uh, external account transfer systems. You've got companies like Bottom Line that provide business payments and, and companies like SWBC that provide loan payments. So they've acquired these technologies over the last 25 years. And you know, again, it just it encumbers the ability to minimize the friction in a user experience because you're trying to connect these disparate experiences to different digital channels with different UXs and uh, different back office uh, systems that you have to maintain. Uh, and there's and so a lot just, of a lot of middleware involved, I guess, a lot of technology just helping to make the keep running right yeah absolutely absolutely and that and that's the challenge is if you're if you're a big bank sure you can connect to these middleware systems that is if these uh, uh point solutions provide api connectivity to those mm. middleware systems if they don't you're stuck with the ux of that uh of that legacy technology and so you can't connect to a middleware what you're doing is you're really kind of duct taping and band-aid and, and plugging in an experience that is completely disparate and fragmented from your digital banking experience. And as these banks are moving through their digital transformation um, mm -hmm. stages, it's very difficult to uh, connect all these systems together. And and are banks, when you start talking to them, I guess, what what part of the process are most banks in when they're talking to you? Are, are they Have they made a decision to kind of revamp everything or are they still sort of in, in Band-Aid mode? They're, they're in the position of revamping everything, but they become somewhat limited and encumbered by some of the legacy technologies. You know, as, as an example, they might say, hey, we want to revamp our entire digital experience. They'll go out and they'll look at uh, digital banking providers like a Backbase or a Temenos or mm -hmm. a uh, NCR, uh, you know, where they can upgrade their user experience. But then they're locked into the digital payments technology because that's all the that vendor offers is a kind of standard UX and you can change maybe some colors and some button styles, but you can't necessarily transform the entire digital experience uh, holistically uh, when you're locked into a UX that is locked down by the provider. And, and so when, when, yeah, totally. And, and when they start talking to Payveris, like, um, is it just about uh, technology here, or does it also have to do with like um, culture and processes in the, in, on the back end? Like, is there a greater transformation going on, I guess, when they're talking to you guys, or does it require that? Yeah, no, it actually does. It does, Zach. Um, you know, when we talk to our financial institutions, the ones where we have the best fit are those institutions who tend to be best of breed and are truly focused on providing a much lower friction integrated experience. You know, if they are a smaller institution or locked into their core processor and kind of of the mindset, hey, we just want the quote proverbial one throat to choke, it's going to be very difficult for them to, for us to dislodge that inertia. Um, but generally, you know, it is a, it's definitely a mindset and how the institution wants to approach its, its digital transformation. And if they want to make an entire transformation or if they just want to kind of piecemeal it. Got it. And I, I know you I know you work with a lot of um, credit unions. Um, do, do they have what, what are their challenges? Um, these are, I assume, typically smaller institutions from an asset point of view and and um, and probably also uh, talent, not necessarily talent rich on the technology side. So 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 how do you how do you work with with credit unions? Yeah, so it's interesting. Credit unions actually have a 
no offense to the banks out there, but credit unions tend to be more focused on the quote unquote member experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're less focused on the the, the cost. Um, you know, fortunately, those credit unions or credit unions in general um, are, you know, they don't pay the same level of taxes as the banks. And so they are able to invest more in the user experience. Uh, they're focused more on uh, enhancing the financial lives of their consumers. So they're looking for technology that will enable them to do that. And they tend to be a little bit more risky. Um, you know, as we grew our business, we found that credit unions were just uh, easier, easier to work with in many cases, and that they were really focused on the experience that they were delivering to their members. Uh, and you know that's that's how we were able to kind of launch, uh, you know, Payveris uh, into you know where we are today. You know, about eighty percent of our business is credit unions today. Uh, we are we do have you know some nice size institutions and continue to go up the food chain with larger and larger institutions where we see our technology is most valued. Um, but credit unions are are just seem to be you know really focused on what they can do to help their consumers uh, kind of improve their financial lives and and have a, an experience that's going to facilitate that as part of their overall mission. I understand that, Marcel. Did you use the word risky when you were uh, defining credit union? Uh, no, <laughs> no, less less risky, less, less risk risky. In terms of yeah. cost, less risk. Meaning they're less more risk. committed to the to their to their members' experience. Yes, less risk averse. Okay. Yes, less, yeah, yeah. They're, they're willing to take, um, I guess, more risk with smaller uh, organizations who are more flexible and and they can actually have some influence over those over those organizations. Mm. Uh, in fact, you know, we created a QSO specifically to enable credit unions to provide more voice uh, into you know, our product roadmap, into our direction, uh, to test new functionality. Uh, and it's it's been a very good partnership with the credit unions that are part of our our QSO, which is a credit union service organization. Got it. And 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 a lot of the credit unions. Uh, wh- what are you hearing from the, your customers? Are they in are they in growth mode? Is it is it what's happening? I guess in, in credit union land right now, given given where we are at this moment in history. Yeah, they are definitely in growth mode. As you're probably familiar, most institutions tend to be cash rich uh, these days because, you know, as the pandemic continued to, you know, impact uh, American households, uh, there was a much uh, higher level of conservation of cash. uh, And that's what institutions kind of build their business off of is deposits. Uh, And if they have deposits, they can provide more loans. uh, And, you know, with the PPP loans and, and other types of loans that consumers are needing as they were kind of working their way through the pandemic, uh, Credit unions were are, are kind of cash rich, um, and so again, they're they're definitely investing in technology. If I think about our business growth from 2020, you know, most of it came from credit unions uh, mm. who were again looking to kind of drive their their projects to support their digital transformation initiatives. And so, what role does do do payments play in in those growth plans for these types of institutions? Well, I think it's it's critical. Um, you know, if you think about the kind of key areas of a financial institution and how they make their money, they they make their money on on loans, uh, and they make their money on deposits, and they make their money on transactions, on payments. Uh, and so, payments is a, a critical piece of the overall digital banking experience, which is you know where most consumers are interacting with their financial institutions. Uh, and if you think about the kind of three big reasons why you might use digital banking, one is to check your balances and transactions, two is to make transfers between accounts, and three is bill pay, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a critical function of the digital banking experience 
that allows consumers to you know, pay their bills and, and move money to the, the accounts that they need to or the people that they need to when they need to. Um, so it's a, it's a critical part of that overall experience. So I want to I want to shift into Payveris's uh, product portfolio and 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 we can start with bill pay. Um, are we at the point where bill pay is is table stakes or to me it sounds it sounds like a no brainer like it's so sticky it gets people coming back like um, where where are we in the cycle with bill pay? Yeah, so I would say that bill pay traditionally has been table stakes for an institution, and if you don't offer it. And you've been off, or if you've been offering it for a long time, and most institutions do have bill pay. If you take it away from a consumer, um, you know the, the demographic that primarily uses bank bill pay is is your Generation X, your your baby boomers. Um, but as you start moving to the younger demographic, uh, the Gen X and I'm sorry, Gen Y and Gen Z, they're using bank bill pay less and less. Uh, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've spoken to a, a millennial and asked them if they where they pay their bills. And I would say, you know, 70, 80% of the time, they're paying them directly at the biller site. So it's, it's becoming less important to the younger demographic. But I mm-hmm. think there's also a shift because the billers, uh, the direct billers, whether it's your Verizon or Comcast or State Farm or whomever, they're providing a much better experience from the biller site then banks are, and credit unions are now providing from their own uh, from their own digital banking experiences, and so you've seen this shift of the distribution of online bill pay or online bill pay shift from the banks to the billers. Uh, and in fact, over the last ten years, uh, the, the the numbers you know ten years ago it was about sixty. Let me think about this here. It's about 68% of bills were paid at the biller site and you know, 32% uh, at the uh, bank site. That has shifted quite significantly. It's dropped to 22% of all bills are now paid at the bank site. And it's uh, about 78% are paid at the biller site. So the transactions are continuing to shift. Uh, and it's because the billers are providing real-time payments, they're providing real-time confirmation and posting, uh, they're providing the ability to use your credit card or debit card so you can get your rewards. And mm. it's unfortunate because the legacy bill pay providers uh, are still limited to just pay from your checking account or your savings account. It's generally a, a two to you know, three-day posting uh, of that payment to the biller site, and you don't necessarily get the transparency or assurance that has been paid. Uh, from the biller. Um, you know, the only time you might know that it, it wasn't paid is if you, you get a late fee just because there's no real-time connectivity to that biller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, when I think about Payveris and, and where we're headed, uh, we have a, uh, a partnership uh, with a, an organization that has direct biller access. They provide uh, billers the technology that supports all those capabilities. And we are in the midst of connecting to uh, their their technology to to bring that direct bill pay experience that you get from a biller site into the banking site so that from your bank, your credit union, you can use your credit cards, you can get real-time payments, you get the biller confirmation number, and you get the same experience, but you also get the convenience of that one-stop shop uh, for a consumer to bring all their bills together in one location and be able to manage them just much more efficiently and with less friction. It sounds like it. So what other what other products do you offer banks and credit unions? Sure. So the other products that we offer are uh, service like uh, peer-to-peer transfers. Uh, so we have an alternative to Zelle. Uh, Zelle is a great product. I use it myself uh, through Chase. Uh, but some institutions, uh, for some institutions, it's a, it's a bit unaffordable. 
uh, it's uh, pretty complex to implement uh, and it's, it's more challenging for them to offer because of the complexity of uh, some of the uh, requirements of Zelle. Um, and so we introduced a, actually launched our, our real-time P2P uh, solution here just uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, and it's supported by the debit rails. Um, so you can, as a consumer, move money from one person to another in real time. Uh, and it's using the, the debit card rails, uh, both from a funding perspective and a push credit. And it's, it's a, let's call it much more operationally uh, economical for smaller institutions and more turnkey because we're using existing debit rails and there's no special uh, new setup or technology or infrastructure you have to build out to support it. Um, so that's one that's uh, that's doing well for us. Um, we also offer external account transfers, which enables you to move money from your your host institution to or from an external account uh, that you might have at another financial institution. Um, those are all offered as either standalone products or as a holistic payments and money movement hub uh, as part of our bill center capabilities. So within the bill pay experience, one of the things that uh, we found is that consumers also use those you know, peer to peer transfers and 8 day transfers to pay bills or to move money to pay bills, uh, but they're having to go to different experiences, which creates friction. So we're consolidating all of that under one umbrella uh, in a seamless kind of payments hub uh, for the user to, to, to handle all of their payments and money movement from one location as opposed to you know, multiple locations. And, and is it typical for a new client to come in for just one of those modules before they um, expand to the entire platform or, or are they looking for the entire platform up front? You know, that's an interesting question, Zach, because I, I always thought it would be everything at one time, but some institutions may be locked into a contract or an agreement mm -hmm. for one of those solutions that they want to displace. They know that they've got this, like you said, a kind of bowl of string uh, from a, a technology infrastructure. So they might start with one service and then over time displace the other services as those contracts come up for uh, expiration. Um, so it gives them the ability to kind of start with a, a one solution and expand and get leverage from the technology across uh, all of the services that they are looking to displace and, and integrate into their overall digital transformation strategy. And and how does Payvera structure uh, your agreements? Are are you building long term contracts as well? Are you is it month to month? Is it SaaS model? It, it's a SaaS model. It, mm -hmm. It's a SaaS model. Our contracts range from you know three to five years. Uh, generally, uh, occasionally we'll get into a longer term. But you think about the, how quickly technology changes these days. Most institutions don't want to get into a long-term contract that locks them into a specific provider just mm -hmm. because they don't want to put themselves at risk of being stuck with uh, technology or, or user experience that becomes stale. And you think about how fast you know, technology companies outside of banking move and how quickly they're adapting and uh, adjusting their user experiences based on consumer preferences. Uh, it, it's a pretty high risk uh, factor if an institution locks itself into any type of long-term you know, contract with, again, how quickly technology is, is moving and changing. Right. I also have to imagine it's, it's pretty sticky even without the contracts. It's not the type of thing you swap out like a, like a CRM or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you look at kind of the historical term that the institutions are, are maintaining their systems, you know, it could be 20 or 30 years at, on the extreme. You know, what we see is most of the systems that we're displacing have been in place for at least 10 years, 
uh, if not longer, um, because there hasn't been much innovation in that bill pay space. Uh, and so PayVerus is, is coming along and, and disrupting that and dislodging that inertia and uh, you know, being successful at it. Uh, in the remaining, we have time for one last question. Um, what are you working on? Like what's what's in the pipeline? Not, not necessarily from, maybe from a product point of view, maybe from a go-to-market point of view. Um, like what's what's next up for you? Yeah, I think the the, the big things that we're focused on are, are real-time, you know, continuing our real-time money movement uh, roadmap and executing on that. We launched our P2P service. Uh, we're now moving into real-time. Uh, bill payment and uh, you know, real-time external transfers and A to A. So we're going to continue that that real-time money movement roadmap. That's our, our core, and that's you know where we started. We're going to continue moving money. Um, but I think the the next things that we're looking at is, is how do you help drive uh, monetization of your digital services? Uh, you know we have the ability to support credit and debit card payments. Uh, so we see that as a way to help institutions monetize uh, our services. I think there's also a big play in data, right? Uh, you know, institutions are sitting on a lot of data. And so what we want to do is help them to leverage that data to recognize uh, opportunities to cross-sell their products and services uh, based on the uh, payment and payment behavior of of the users that and the customers that are using their system. So we saw those as, as uh, very interesting kind of opportunities and, and growth areas to help institutions improve the user experience, but also help offset some of the costs that uh, they're encumbering with the technology we offer. So we see it as a as a win-win-win across the consumer base uh, for the financial institutions and pay bearers if we can pull that off. So we're excited about it. Awesome. I, I lied to you. I have one last question. Um, I know <laughs> you, you were previously at, at Income. Um, I don't know how, how long it's been since, since you've been there, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, seeing them a lot pop up, like what, what's your impression of what's happening over there? What's your legacy? Yeah. Um, Income is interesting. They, they are, they're fairly innovative company. They're doing a lot of things in, uh, in, in card payments. Um, yeah, I haven't paid as, as close to attention because I've been so focused on what I'm doing at uh, PayVerus, but you know, I, I do you know, see some of the press releases and they're doing some pretty cool things over there. So uh, yeah, I, I spent, I was uh, part of an income as part of an acquisition, I stayed on uh, for a little while and you know, saw some of the things that they're doing and they're continuing to innovate. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with what I'm seeing and you know, look forward to you know, what, what's coming next with them. Marcel, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me, Zach. I uh, really appreciate it and I enjoy it. So thanks for having me.